0: Welcome to the Hilo, the weekly current affairs and pop culture podcast brought to you by Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. How do you feel
1: about sitting opposite a dying woman? dolly is very hungover it's a real privilege for you to see me in my final hours she's wearing some pretty funky ugg shoes i only wanted to be with you and cj at this time they're not uggs they're furry birkenstocks furry birkenstocks sorry firkenstocks actually birkenstocks with some very groovy leggings (laughs) a roll neck and i came in carrying an enormous can of coke that's not the most exciting news this week, though. Doug. Sorry, That's it's it. not, actually. We've got much more exciting news that I'd like you to share. The Hilo
0: is launching merch. And yes, I do feel like Justin Bieber saying that. Thehiloshop.com will be selling berets, sweaters, T-shirts, tote bags and notepads. 10% of all the profits go to Women's Aid. And if you order by the 18th of December, you will get it in time for Christmas.
1: I know what all the Aldertons are getting for Christmas this year. Can't wait to see your dad in a beret. <laughs> I've got two total heart warmers for you this week, Panda. Are you ready? I think you might cry and slash or melt into a puddle. You've already melted into a puddle. <laughs> no this I actually might cry reading this one. <sighs> friends of eighty years move into the same Mansfield care home. Kathleen Savile and Olive Woodward, both eighty nine, became friends as eleven year old schoolgirls in nineteen forty one they bonded over teasing boys and playing games and have stayed close friends ever since. Staff at Berry Hill Park in Mansfield, Nottinghamshire, have dubbed them the dynamic duo and say so you can still see their love for each other. Mrs Savile, who said that she can still pull the boys and is fighting for every minute, believes the key to their long friendship was that neither liked arguing. We knew we would always be friends when we met. She means a lot to me. If Olive goes first, she'll come back to fetch me. She added, we're going to be friends in heaven.
0: Oh, that's so lovely. I know, especially because there's a lot of stories about negative behaviour in care homes at the moment yeah. of mistreatment or of people being separated or all sorts of horrible things. Well, like they
1: that. were initially separated, and uh, they one of they just couldn't bear it because they've never lived more than ten minutes away from each other. So they asked to be moved into the same one. And actually, I just think that's so so important time and time again when psychologists look at studies about what you know what makes a happy human being it is the quality of our personal relationships particularly at that time in life particularly in that time of life I think where you know your personal relationships have probably dwindled. I think care homes can actually work the other way as well and I
0: think they can provide relationships where there were none. Yeah. So sometimes there could be a division. Like I hate it when you read about husband and wife that have been I know. broken up because there wasn't enough room in the care home. But then also really lovely when you read about um, someone who's who's found new relationships in the care home. Because I think it's I think it's a really big uh, killer, isn't it? Along with the cold
1: mm.
0: of um, octa and nonagenarians, cold and loneliness
1: mm.
0: can be two really big killers. Also,
1: there must be quite a lot of these like lovely old birds that end up on their right because women live longer than men yeah totally this is basically my way of saying please go to a care home with me I'll go to a care home with you <sighs> the problem is Ollie's just going to outlive us all isn't he he's fucking Iron Man biohacking <laughs> The second story that I wanted to tell you is so sweet. A five-year-old boy in Michigan has invited his whole kindergarten class to witness his legal adoption and warmed hearts across the world. The youngster, identified as Michael formally joined his new family at Kent County Court on Thursday. A photo shared by the court on Facebook showed the little boy relaxing... It's a very funny picture. ...in an adult-sized courtroom chair next to his adoptive parents. Behind them, his classmates happily waved paper hearts on sticks. During the... During the hearing, each child introduced themselves and explained why they'd come to celebrate. Michael is my best friend, said a small boy named Stephen. My name is Lily and I love Michael, a little girl told Judge Patricia Gardner who wore a necklace of Christmas decorations for the occasion.
0: (laughs) Where did you read that so the high loader didn't get
1: sued for? (laughs) Look at him there, relaxing in the chair. (laughs) Oh, that is really so cute, isn't he? Look, all of them waving little hearts behind him. I think it's so beautiful, that story. To have made it into a
0: celebration with friends. Yeah. Speaking of heartwarming, did you see that wonderful video of a um, four month old baby? Uh, when her hearing aids are turned on. Oh no! They're,
1: um, I can't handle it today,
0: it <laughs> I know. Google it, everyone. I actually did put it on my Twitter as well. You can find me at Pin Sykes. Um, and she suddenly starts going like, oh. Oh, that's so
1: cute. <laughs> as they turn them on, it's amazing. Less heartwarming. Did you see the lackluster Christmas tree that's been hoiked up in Trafalgar Square? No. Here's how <laughs> thin and feeble it is. I walked through Trafalgar Square and I didn't realise it was up. I thought you were about to say, I walked through the tree and I didn't realise it was a tree. <laughs> I walked through the tree and someone thought it was me.
0: <laughs> That's a shame because isn't it normally... Is that where Norway... Because Norway gives a tree every year. Yes, and I think it is the one on Trafalgar Square. So why are Norway being so stingy?
1: I don't know. It's very, it's incredibly tall, but but
0: very slim. I think that this is the real political issue of the moment is why norway are giving us a sprig (laughs) rather than a
1: tree not you know also in this like miserable election month december we need a girthier tree than ever
0: girthier
1: the girthy tree is what is what brings the people joy it's what they want but you don't just want girth you want a height as well yeah yeah we we should have had a
0: full-bodied a big full-bodied tree but sadly no speaking of the tory uh, britain Speaking of the jenny Alec, I have no energy for election chat except to say, I love Love Actually, but I do not love that scene. Of all the scenes for Boris Johnson to use for his campaign, the one where the best friend rather creepily tries to tell Kira Knightley he loves her with those cards. Oh, God. So if I was going to choose a scene um, for my election campaign, it would definitely be the eighties, a lot of legs, David. <laughs> Um, Or maybe it would be um, Colin when he's in America with all of those um, suit models around him and they're going, table, water. (laughs) So maybe I'd do that. Anyway, wouldn't do that scene. But do you agree with Boris's prediction that there's going to be a bonking bonanza after Brexit? There was apparently one after the Olympics in 2012.
1: Say again. So he's saying that he thinks that... There'll be
0: a baby boom. Was there a baby boom after the Olympics? Yes. I would say there's not quite the same thing as Brexit. I'd say there's more sort of general camaraderie and cheer around the Olympics. That's definitely... Exactly.
1: God, he's got that so wrong.
0: I'm obsessed with the fact that the Sunday
1: Times wrote Bonking Bonanza on its front page. That can't have been the Sunday Times sub-editors. they don't even let me write the word shit in my column.
0: Well, he said big baby boom, and then somehow it sort of got re-memed so that most newspapers and websites are reporting it as bonking bonanza. I will say that bonk is my favourite word for copulation. It's so 90s. I love bonking. (laughs) I'm not a fan of this modern penchant for the F word.
1: Are you not? No. Oh, I love a good fuck. I like saying that. So crude. I like bonking and fucking and I like shagging. We know. We know. And I like, what else do I like? Hopping on the good foot, doing the bad thing. <laughs> do you know what I remember bang. reading? Oh, I don't like bang, actually. It's a step too far for Bounce. Me. No, I've never heard that. What's your favourite word for it, CJ? CJ, I love when you give me that look sometimes. Just total frustrated and tired indignance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> why not stick with copulation
1: copulation I remember reading something once and I was like how on earth have they have they managed to collect that data they said more babies have been consumed to the music of Barry White than <laughs> consumed, any
0: consumed <other>. not conceived <laughs>
1: consumed <laughs> should you choose to consume your baby oh, this Christmas conceived I think I'm being consumed by my baby not the other way around <laughs> to Barry White yeah but how did they collect that data do they have a sort of inspector
0: it goes round look as the doll of dolls polls you should know that most of these surveys are done i think with a tick box and like a thousand people yeah i'd like to actually this might be an interesting piece for no one to read go on i'd like to spend a week sort of on the team for these surveys
1: basically yeah. a
0: week of dolls polling so all of these like random consultancies pr companies how and exactly brands- what are they offering is the option
1: because i often find that what it's- there's a bias yeah yes no these are not randomized controlled studies <laughs> there's no way that you're going to answer this question but just because anyway, i'm right? going to do my own randomized study now what what music was Sagey and your unborn baby conceived to? I love that
0: you have no idea what a randomised study is, and instead you just think it's a random study <laughs> rather than it being like a scientific study.
1: <laughs> I'm conducting a random. You know that study. I don't listen to music very much. Oh, can you just throw me a bone? Can you just made up a song there just to cheer me and my hangover
0: up? I'm not throwing you a bone. I think you've been throwing up far too
1: many bones this December. <laughs> I'm very interested in the fact that so many of my friends are. Born in august so something was happening in britain nine months before august that meant that all of our parents were having a gangbang you're
0: my only friend born in august oh really yeah i'd go so far to say that you're
1: odd really an anomaly (laughs) because i've tried to work backwards and work out if there was any like bad weather during the time of conception and whether there was like some sort of great storm of eighty-seven or whatever. I'm suspicious of people born in August. I don't think it oh should be allowed. I think you should only be allowed to be born in For term times. the best star signs are in August. Leo and Leo and Virgo. What are you again? Pisces. Oh yeah, you're my. Only. I think I think spring babies are the most normal. You're <laughs> my only my only Pisces friends. What are you, Charlie? And then I'll stop dragging you into this episode. Libra. Oh, you're classic Libra absolute classic libra i couldn't even name all the star signs really yeah i could do like three will you join the pattern for me just for a day will it collect collect my data oh relax dolly (laughs) (laughs) what are they gonna do with it you're not that interesting what, you've been buying on
0: Bloody Okada? That's Dolly's entire summary of like the massive sort of data surveillance going on in modern capitalist society. Who cares? Kick back, chill out. Uh, for anyone listening, I'm going to buy Dolly the 700-page surveillance capitalism book by uh, Shoshana Zuboff for her Christmas present. She'll love it. <laughs> in other news, Saudi Arabia has ended gender segregation in its restaurants. Previously, there were separate entrances for men and women. That's good news. Very good news. And the ex One Directioner the pop star. Liam Payne has been accused of reinforcing stereotypes of bisexual women with his new song, Both Ways. You can see what he did there, which features the lyrics. My girl, she like it both ways. She like the way it all tastes. Couple more, we'll call it foreplay. No, no, I don't discriminate.
1: Here's something interesting. I know literally nothing about One Direction or any of their respective participants. But I do know that Liam Payne writes the shittest lyrics (laughs) of all time. (laughs) Why do I know that fact? No, because there's another song that he wrote where he said that he's like going to a party in a big car with a four gear speed drinking a bottle of Bacardi. It was so cringe. And I'm the cringest person ever. And I was cringed out. She liked the way it all tastes. So you don't like the way it all tastes. I don't. like Those are horrible lyrics. There's no excuse for it. Yeah, them. I mean, the internet seems to agree. We wanted to flag PressPad this week, which is a project that Pandora and I really, really believe in and want to shout about and want to encourage support for, particularly because it needs um, quite urgent support. So this really is uh, very much a plea from me uh, to go read about this and check this out and spare any money that you can because it's a cause that I think is really, really pressing. And it's something that, as I say, that we really believe in. PressPad is a social enterprise that matches young journalists with um, hosts and mentors. In 2018, the Sutton Trust estimated that it costs a young person £1,019 a month to do unpaid internships in London, where most media opportunities are found. This obviously prices out a lot of talented and diverse and varied people who can't afford to work for free or who don't have friends or family to stay with. I was very, very lucky when I graduated from university. I had parents who lived in the suburbs of London, which meant that I could do nine months of unpaid internships. And then I did, I kind of handed out flyers in the evening as my job to kind of, to make my money for living off. But in terms of rent, that was just not something I had to think about. And had I not had that base and uh, I would have had to pay rent in London, I quite literally would not have been able to do those internships. Um, Well, that's the ongoing question, I think, about why is um, uh,
0: media so... um middle class and so white and it, it starts at the, it starts at the beginning exactly. it starts at the internship level i started meeting up with my mentee zaynab after she emailed me when i'd done a panel discussion and i was like yeah sure let's you know meet up and let's see how it goes so i know a lot of people don't reply to emails and the reason why they don't is because everyone sends way too many emails but if you admire someone it is always worth emailing yeah. them because press Pad is brilliant and this actually gives a whole you know route into it but um, you can go old school as well and you can yeah. get in touch. Just don't be offended if someone doesn't reply. Know that it's probably because they don't have the capacity yeah. at that time. But um, I was looking for a mentee whenever it was, nine months ago. And then Zainab popped into my yeah. inbox and we met up. So,
1: yeah. And I have heard stories about like that before as well. Um, but yes, this sounds brilliant. It's just terrifying how OneNote media is. It's just full of women like you and I, basically, and um, that's not only very unfair, but it makes for a very boring one-note media landscape if it's only the same type of person from the same background saying the same things and uh, telling our stories and presenting information. And there are some quite terrifying statistics on the Press Pad page where they talk about how... um, how undiverse the media is Um, and obviously i know that this isn't just exclusive to journalism this is what they're starting with this is what i'm talking about because it's It's my line of work exactly but they're also press powder, are also looking at expanding out to um, other industries and i was also told as well that there are other schemes that are focusing in like the publishing industry and providing support there for young people where unpaid work is sadly the only way you get experience at the beginning
0: there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in publishing actually at the moment lots of different imprints as well working in lots of different ways i mean Stormsey's murky books imprint at penguin random house is doing awesome things yeah. i met a girl um uh, a couple of weeks ago who shares the same publisher as me we've both got books coming out next year and she'd won a murky book prize and i was given a sampler of her book and it was absolutely incredible and she's a full time lawyer as well and she yeah, just amazing. on a on a whim had entered this competition that murky yeah. books um do for uh writers of colour outside the industry
1: and um yeah,
0: lots of great schemes. Yeah. That being said, not always easy to find them, so we will continue to try and flag yeah. those where we can.
1: Yeah, and just the last thing I would say on uh, press pad is they uh need to reach thirty thousand pounds in the next eight days and they're currently on seventeen and a half and I really really want them to reach their target and you can do anything from 10 pounds and there are various rewards that you can get in return all the way up to you can provide uh, 600 pounds and give someone a month of living support in london so lots of different ways that that you can donate
0: we will link that in the show notes
1: What's in the mailbag this week, doll? Lots of listeners wrote in about global idioms this week, and in particular, thank you to the French speakers who named for me the brilliant, witty comeback you come up with after leaving the room, which is l'esprit de l'escalier, and it means the spirit of the staircase. You speak French, don't you, CJ? Petit peu. Does <laughs> <laughs> that make your toes curl a bit, that pronunciation? Yeah. I'm afraid to say that I've got quite a lot more coming up. Um, It means the spirit of the staircase. One listener said that it's because you think about the right thing to say for a conversation that happened on step one of the stairs once you arrive on step 12. (laughs) Another listener wrote in to say the phrase has made its way into German too, where it's known as Treppenwitz, which literally translates to stairs joke. Unfortunately, a number of French listeners wrote in to say that they had never heard of the other saying that I mentioned, which is etre de Birmingham, meaning being bored to death, which I read in a Bill Bryson book. But obviously, I don't know where he got that from. Do you think you definitely read it in a Bill Bryson yes, book? Yes, because when I researched it afterwards, I saw other people online had said, I've read this thing in a Bill Bryson book. Maybe he's just fucking making it all up.
0: Right to him. That's <laughs> what my mum used to say whenever I wondered about something write to them so irritating
1: just to make it clear as well Bill Bryson's one of my favourite writers I'm very sure he's not made anything up (laughs) (laughs) and uh, we've got some other excellent ones from one French listener other French expressions you might enjoy if you want to tell someone to piss off you can tell them to go fry an egg va te faire cuire une oeuf if you want to say that you're extremely energetic you can say that you have the potato (laughs) avoir la patate if someone is making a fuss about something, you can tell them that they shouldn't make a whole cheese out of it. On en fait tout en fromage. Who knew the French was so much fun? I'm joking. C'est une blague. What's a blague? That's a joke. <laughs> Very good. To talk about someone who's too pretentious, French people say that they fart above their arse. <laughs> don't stoke me to the French. <laughs> Peter plus hot que son cool. To have your head in your ass, avoir la tête dans le coul, however, means to be very tired. To lie in is to do the fatty morning. <laughs> Faire le grasse matinée. Last one. I'm very sorry about all this horrible French. To have other cats to whip, avoir d'autres chats, a footer, means to have more important things to do. Poor cats.
0: My favourite is to do the fatty morning. And I also like <laughs> farting above their arse.
1: <laughs> so good. Everyone also seems to have a favourite animal translation and I love them all. Here is a selection that various listeners sent in. In Irish, the literal translation of Lady Bird is God's Little Cow jellyfish is seal snot
0: that's good
1: wolf is son of the earth and spider is little wild ox my favorite is barn owl which translates as graveyard screecher (laughs) in arabic a zebra is a striped donkey
0: yeah
1: delicate ears or people with children mute this for the next five seconds this is my favorite the welsh for jellyfish is conti moor which translates as cunt of the sea (laughs) in finland a dragon is called a salmon snake in chinese panda directly translates as bear cat and a guinea pig in german translates as little sea pig oh i love a little sea pig i think i might call you that i'm not even sure what genre this podcast sits in anymore
0: i think calling it a culture podcast feels like a stretch (laughs) oh i love it when it takes this sort of turn but you know why it takes this sort of turn i'm
1: hungover (laughs) You are fully in the driving seat of this turn. It's, it's not a coincidence. What have you been enjoying this week, Panda? We're going to hand the steering wheel back <laughs> over. I loved uh, Raven Smith's column on
0: Christmas parties. He's a very funny writer. I just wanted to quote a bit here, um, especially because I'm sadly not going to any Christmas parties, so I would like to live them out through this paragraph. I've heard Christmas parties can be a chore, all-fingered food and regrettable frotting, but on account of my inability to wallflower, I've never been to a Christmas party and had a bad time. God blessed me with immunity from embarrassment, which makes for quite the party monster. I'm always the first to shimmy, always the first to mention shots, always the first to magic mic on the kitchen worktops. I'm happy to instigate a group sing-along or conga or quick round of strip poker, and I'm committed to converting strangers into friends, prizing introverts from their shells. My real party trick, however, is stamina. Christmas is wonderful for those of us built to party because it magnifies everything. Colours are more saturated. The air is crisper. We're all camper. Christmas parties <laughs> are birthday parties, but it's everyone's birthday and there's no one subscribing.
1: <laughs> I fucking love that. And do you know what? I'm a roven. You are. There's no one subscribing <laughs> you from the December season. I'm so glad to read that, though, because I do think that there's like this fetishisation of sort of closeted blankety introvertism that that happens quite a lot online of like oh no thanks I just prefer to stay in and eat three pizzas and watch Netflix and that's fine and I, I you know people should be allowed to do that but also like I feel like I can't remember the last time I read an article that was in praise of like socializing and letting loose I feel like every column that I read in the first week of December is like why I'm saying no to Christmas parties this year
0: Well, in line with that. Chill out and have a bloody Baileys. I read a piece yesterday uh, on the Metro about how to be a mindful drinker at Christmas. Apparently 49% of people drink too much. I'm surprised it's that low. Yeah, but but
1: who's, again with this information, like, who is saying that? Is that, are the imbibers saying that about themselves?
0: We'll find out when we do a canvassing course. (laughs) But I love how terrified, like you just said, people have become of their festive alter egos. Like, they are entirely different people that we need loads of news articles about how to corral.
1: Yeah, I think this is all about the optimization control freakism of Western humanity. Everyone's scared of just like. Christmas <sighs> isn't a mindful. <laughs> I know, I think everyone's scared of what will happen if they drink five snowballs and. I know what will
0: happen, it's sitting in front of me. Anyway, sadly no parties for me, but as you can imagine, Dolly is soaking them all up and soaking is the operative word. I also loved, and I can't wait for you to watch it, Dolly, Elizabeth is Missing. On the oh, BBC. I'm desperate to watch that, I've read so many good things. Elizabeth is Missing is a book about um, an old woman named Maud who has dementia and so lives a fairly contained um, life. But what she does do is once or twice a week, she meets up with her friend Elizabeth and they uh, do gardening. Anyway, one day she goes to find Elizabeth at the Salvation Army where Elizabeth works and she can't find her. And the narrative is as much about Maud looking for Elizabeth as it is her still trying to solve the disappearance of her older sister in 1949 whilst also navigating her way through an increasingly tough condition we see her deteriorate very quickly over the course of the program she's desperately trying to hold on to these facts and she writes little notes for herself everywhere and it's really frustrating for her because not only can she not really communicate her memories because she can't really access them anymore uh she can't really communicate to people that she's you know sure that Elizabeth is missing and that she is sure that she needs to solve what happened to her sister Suki when she disappeared in um, 1949. Her depiction of dementia has been applauded by people who work with patients with dementia or who know or love or have in their family um, people with dementia. There's this incredibly evocative moment where Glenda Jackson just screams silently in a restaurant and it's like Munch's scream, Mm. like it's so raw. Mm. And the emotion, but it's silent um, and there's loads of other amazing bits, like when she um, sadly wets herself, and just her her furious tears. It's it's an it's an incredible portrayal. I, I don't want to give any spoiler alerts, so I actually can't really say any more. But what I would say is that the beauty of it is not necessarily the thriller aspect. So what happened to Suki? What happened to Elizabeth? But is that it's a story told from Maud's point of view and her confusion and the kind of narrative fragmentation. Um, makes it much more a portrait of dementia than it is a murder mystery and it works so, so well and it's got so many brilliant female leads in it not just Glenda Jackson but um, Helen Bean as her daughter and Sophie Rundle as her sister Suki and you can find that on iPlayer now it is um, really wonderful and I actually think as well it's one of those rare dramas and I do think the BBC does this really well I know I am an old BBC hag and that Everyone else has moved on to, like, the Hulu and Zulu and Apple Stream Plus Disney YXZ. <laughs> I you, Gran. But I love the way the BBC manages to make something that, you know, I love and my mum loves. Mm. I cannot wait to watch that. I'm going to watch that this week. Yeah, don't watch it today. or too hungover. You'll be too weepy. Oh, there's no way. There's oh, absolutely no way. I your voice notes.
1: There's no way I'm in the right state of mind to watch that. You're not allowed to watch... You're only allowed to watch, like, The Matrix today. (laughs) Pandora presented me the Christmas present that I haven't even opened, and I felt tears prickle at the back of my eyes. (laughs) And the last thing I wanted to recommend... I haven't read much
0: of it. Normally I wouldn't um, recommend something unless I'd finished it or read most of it, but there's not going to be any book recommendations from me for a little while. So I wanted to give a heads up for this one. It's called Wild Game, My Mother, Her Lover and Me by Adrienne Broder. It's a memoir... And it's about when Adrienne's mother, when she was 14 years old, started telling her about her um, infidelities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the toll that secrets take on a uh, child. And it's been really um, positively reviewed in the States. And she really, her writing um, already really reminds me of Danny Shapiro who is a novelist and memoirist who wrote a book called Inheritance that I mentioned on the Hilo. And actually, Natasha Lunn yeah, know, I was say. has got a uh, brilliant newsletter called Conversations on Love, where she talks to writers about love, Funny enough, keys in the title, um, has done her newsletter this week with her, uh, with Danny Shapiro. And there's some really lovely uh, lines and bits of wisdom in there. Anyway, so she writes quite like Danny Shapiro, but it's, um i can already tell it's going to be such an engrossing read stories i think memoirs like that just sort of write themselves like Mm -hmm. you can tell it's 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 just powered right from the off about how she felt age 14 being given this piece of information that she that changed her life and that clearly you know didn't bring her anything but um confusion and mm. heartbreak mm. Uh, so those
1: are my recommendations what about you doll on the day of listening this will be the day before voting day some and people
0: might be listening to it on voting day not everyone listens or to you just might the moment be listening it. to it on
1: voting day either way if you're listening to this before or on voting day and you are feeling confused or overwhelmed about which party to vote for or you're finding it difficult to digest the manifestos the Manifesto Read is a brilliant and so 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 useful four part podcast series hosted by two friends OJ and IO who in each episode gather together a group of experts to read through the major parties manifestos and analyze and discuss proposed policy and what that might look like. Question for you. Yeah.
0: Is it unbiased?
1: Yes. They've gone out of their way to gather a kind of different mix of views. And for it to be a space of analysis rather rather than judgment. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so this comes out the day before so I've got twenty-four hours to listen to all four to double check I know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, it's a really digestible look, they obviously can't go through absolutely everything, but they do go through key areas. Key areas which are defence, crime and home affairs education, health and social care and economy, business and climate change. So those are the things that that really matter to a lot of people Mm. and it's a great thing to have a listen to before you go out and vote. Brilliant resource. Thanks, doll. Oh, I think you're going to find my next recommendation. Pretty kooky. I was writing something and I wanted to mark a tonal shift in the middle of the piece of writing And I remember that I've read a lot of books or long form journalism where to mark a sort of miniature chapter within a story that the writer would use three stars. Have you seen that panda?
0: Yes. I love the dinkus. Do you know about the dinkus? know all about the dinkus.
1: So I'm pretty... pretty sure that the piece you're about to mention is also a piece I love. I searched just to check is this an official way of marking change totally. in a piece of writing? And it is, and it's called the dinkus. And now I'm just obsessed with that word, and I've started calling people dinkus. I love that word. It's one of my favourite... Is it
0: grammar, a dinkus? So yeah. I was going to say after the umlaut. Mmm. What's it's an umlaut? An umlaut is um, when you put the two dots... So, you know, it, obviously it's used in German a lot above the U. Yes, yes. And I do quite like saying ellipses for dot, dot, dot. Parentheses for brackets. You know, they're beautiful words, aren't they? Oh, no, the dinkers,
1: it's just delicious. And amazing that this person managed to write an entire piece. Yes, I it. love that you know which piece I'm referring to. It's a piece in the parish review by Daisy Aliotto, written in 2018 called An it, Ode to the Dinkers. I think it might have gone like a bit viral Really. At the time. It's short, though. Oh, I'm so pleased. I thought that you were going to think this was a completely insane recommendation. No, it's so gimpy. I love that kind of shit. But exactly, you and I just love, like, that kind of hyper-analysis and obsession over these sort of mad linguistical quirks. That said, I wouldn't be able to write a poetic piece no. about the Dinkus lecture. Like and, and poetry it is. I'll quote from it now. Three months ago, I was a normal person. Now all I think about 24-7 is the dinkus. Did you know that dinkuses is an anagram of unkissed? I did. For the uninitiated, the dinkus is a line of three asterisks used as a section break in a text. It's the flat lining of an asterism, which in literature is a pyramid of three asterisks, and in astronomy is a cluster of stars. For me, a writer and reader, its crumminess is its appeal. I need some crumbs to lure me down the page. This is especially true when I read online, where the chance of distraction is high. So in the piece she talks about how uh, dinkuses have become quite a stalwart of online grammar. So it's um, an example of something migrating from the page to the online world. Particularly, I think, as well in the...
0: Uh, popularity of long reads yeah exactly I think the Paris Review actually used where she yeah. wrote this
1: it's got quite meta isn't it I, I think they used dinkuses with their with their long pieces I think about the dinkus on the train observing a smattering of stars tattooed I think about the dinkus while packing up my bedroom for a recent move finding a cachet of glow-in-the-dark stars I've carted from apartment to apartment and arranging them in a familiar pattern of three the dinkus is a success story it survived the jump from printed media to the web now it's even travelling from web back to print hallelujah
0: What are your thoughts, Dolly, on the woman chucked off an American Airlines plane for wearing a Hail Satan t-shirt? The story hit lots of news headlines this week. Swathy Rooney Goyle was flying from Florida to Nevada wearing a black t-shirt that said Hail Satan in white on it.
1: She was told to change her t-shirt or get off the plane, so she borrowed her husband's jumper. I found it an extraordinary overreaction. I still can't quite understand what was so offensive about it.
0: I thought Swarthy's response was pretty powerful. She reported that the air steward said, our crew has found your t-shirt to be offensive. She says that her and her husband initially just thought it was a joke. But then the air steward repeated the directive and there was another female crew member behind him with her arms crossed, looking very angry. And she said, I'm a foreign-born minority woman. I understand offensive
1: and this shirt is not offensive. I think that's a very smart thing to say and a very valid point.
0: I don't think it's necessarily even American Airlines who have gone crazy i think the whole world is terrified right now of doing or saying the wrong thing and that doesn't mean the wrong thing doesn't get said or done all the time incidentally so these two things yeah. seem to be happening
1: concurrently i was actually talking about this last night and i've been thinking about it a lot recently because i've realized that something happens when you spend a huge amount of time in an atmosphere of steadfast outrage which i don't know about your timeline but that's basically what my twitter timeline is is that your self-protective reflex is to find the potential offence in everything. And so often, I realize just referring to myself, and I've seen other people, it is at the expense of logic. I find myself I find myself sort of marshalling other people's thoughts on their behalf and sort of constantly on outrage watch. Um, and I don't like it because it's, it's not a good habit. It's a, it's very important to be sensitive and considerate and thoughtful with what you say. But I think that everyone has this kind of panic alarm that's installed in us now. And, um, I think we're just so off, we're we're too quick to press it sometimes.
0: I, I do wonder as well how much of that is about being, um, journalists because you're, you're, Scrutinized as writers, and you are constantly scrutinizing the world around you because often when I talk to my friends and they just they speak so much more freely than than I do now I, mm. I, I get nervous saying saying a lot of things. Um, Swathi is an atheist. She finds the t-shirt funny, as presumably do a lot of people, or even if they don't find it funny, they just, you know, find it generally inoffensive. She is a member of the Satanic Temple, an organization which does not believe in Satan but aims to divorce religion from superstition. And the t-shirt is available on their website for $25. But it's not. It's not an organized religion. Um clearly those who would be offended or could be offended would be devout Christians for whom Satan is obviously evil. And I think there's a twofold response to this and I can see both sides. I do wonder how it would go down if the t-shirt said, Hail Iblis, who is the Islamic figure often compared to Satan, for example. But I think because Christianity is a religion which is seen as a privileged religion in Western society, for example, you are so much less likely to face religious persecution mm. for being Christian, if any persecution mm. for being Christian. I mean, look at us, we're talking constantly about Christmas as if everyone is, you know, celebrating mm. it. So it's kind of the default, isn't mm. it, culturally? Mm. Um, you know, that, so it's not the same as
1: her wearing a T-shirt that says Hail Iblis or Hail um, Mara, who is the Buddhist devil. Also, I do just think that a written message on a T-shirt on someone behaving completely inoffensively and normally and minding their own business... Images and words are powerful and they can still cause offence, but it can't be equated with a verbal or physical hate crime or attack. Do you know what that reminds me of, actually? This is obviously a a, a
0: very different T-shirt, but Jordan Peterson, who is the very controversial psychologist who writes a lot about um, uh, the crisis in young men and masculinity, but a lot of people perceive it as uh, him not doing and saying great things about feminism. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he was... um, he had his fe- visiting fellowship withdrawn from Cambridge University after he had his picture taken with a man that was wearing a T-shirt that said, I'm a proud Islamophobe. So mm. I would say that sometimes t shirt No,
1: you're totally correct. But even then, I
0: would say... I actually don't as well. I, I, I don't love Jordan Peterson, but I'm not sure I agree that having had sort of 130 pictures taken that day, he should have had an entire fellowship... Removed for posing with no. that man. It was stupid and it was misguided and that T-shirt is grossly offensive. Yeah. Um, and it's also, to reiterate, very different to a Hail
1: Satan T-shirt. Also, I don't want to be pedantic, but I just think we're in danger when we think that a T-shirt is the same as an action. That the T-shirt doesn't carry weight. Well, Of course it carries weight, but I don't think that it's it. Like, it's... The same. The way that this woman was treated on the plane was if she verbally abused staff or physically abused staff. It's a different thing. It's. I think it's interesting because it comes back to that idea of how
0: much weight the written word carries. Like I. Think a lot about the fact that the NSPCC changed their strap line of their advert from sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Um, actually, they didn't have that as a strap line, sorry, but their new strap line is sticks and stones will break my bones. And then you have this boy meandering off saying, but words will never hurt me. Because we live in um, what uh, a writer called Richard Seymour described the other day, and I think about this a lot. We live in a really scripturian time, and mm. scripturian basically means we are obsessed with writing mm. and not by hand. I'm sure I'm not the only person whose handwriting is like diabolical now through lack of use. But we are we are writing um text, yeah, hypertext, yeah. text online, whatever, all the time. And so I think that the the power of the wo- like the written word basically and of a slogan t-shirt has maybe taken on a new dimension I mean look I don't find the t-shirt offensive although whether I find it offensive is hardly the be all and end all and I don't think that American Airlines should have tried to hoof her off but I wonder if making rules for some religions and t-shirts and not others could further encourage debate and this sort of loaded religious fury and as you say more of this outrage of debate and before you know maybe there
1: just shouldn't be any
0: of the t-shirts
1: but Satan worshippers often used in a light-hearted way or in conversation to hyperbolically describe someone terrible it's a, it's dark humor and that might not be very appetizing for some but it's so rarely as a phrase I feel like I've heard people use that phrase and it's so rarely a phrase used in its literal sense to jump to that conclusion first, I think, is strange. I actually haven't heard that um, phrase before. Someone being think. like, oh, he's a devil worshipper, or he's the devil, or... Have you not heard yes. people say that? Like, even in sitcoms I feel,
0: I feel like Satan has, like, a... Yeah. got A different weight to devil. On a lighter note, though, can we talk about slogan T-shirts? Because anyone who came to the Low tour will know that Dolly is obsessed. Love and them. Don't worry, they're inoffensive they're they're offensively inoffensive (laughs) Dolly bought a new one last week and I have to ask in fact I've asked several times and you've ignored me Dolly who is Jane? so
1: I bought this t-shirt that says enjoy the money Jane I'd like to make it abundantly clear to the very well meaning but quite confused woman who messaged me saying (laughs) that she thought my t-shirt was me taking the piss out of Jane Garvey for fighting for equal pay (laughs) Like, I can't believe I have to explain that that's obviously not what the T-shirt is. But I love that her head went there. Um, Enjoy the Money, Jane, is in reference to the greatest moment on Come Dine With Me of all time, where a man at the end of the week that has been very tense with the four contestants... Oh, I think you've talked about this before. Uh, ...reads aloud who has won. The fourth place is me. Ah, I don't
0: know what are taking ahead
1: of me. You won, Jane. Oh, my God.
0: Enjoy the money. I hope it makes oh you my very God. happy. Dear Lord, what a sad little life, Jane. You ruined my night completely so you could have the money, but I hope now you spend it on getting some lessons in grace and decorum because you have all the grace of a reversing dump truck without any tyres on.
1: Oh, <laughs> I don't get it.
0: Well, you wouldn't, let's be honest. There's nobody in there, love. (laughs) So, Jane, take your money and get off my property.
1: Anyway, so I wanted to get a T-shirt to remember that forever, and I've worn it every day. And sadly, I've had to finally put it in the wash today, and I've got to say I miss it. Are you still watching Come Diamond Me? Is it still on? No, I was obsessed with it. I was absolutely obsessed with it for about eight years of my life. But, uh, yeah, that's what Enjoy the Money Jane T-shirt is all about.
0: The slogan T-shirt has taken on a sort of political dimension in recent years. Not any of Dot Lee's, but I'm thinking of Dior's £580 We Should All Be Feminists T-shirt, which was a line from Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's um, small book. And also the myriad charity slogan T-shirts that proliferate Instagram. I'm not sure how much this sort of T-shirt slogan sloganism, I think that's what slogan activism is now called. Sloganism. Yeah, I don't know, does it
1: work? I think you'll find the suffragettes got most of their work done through a series of sassy slogan vests mass-produced by (laughs) Fruit of the Loom. (laughs) Or cotton traders. <laughs> cotton traders,
0: they had a deal. I mean, a lot of them traders. have got nothing to do with charity whatsoever. Like all the mummy merch ones. Uh, Gia Tolentino wrote a funny piece last week for the New Yorker about the Amazon Prime mum, who wears a t-shirt that says, this mum runs, runs on coffee, wine
1: and Amazon Prime. Love that. Which is at least a better descriptor than, but first coffee. Love that, love her. When I have children, I buy that t-shirt. And I'll put them alongside all my other slogan t-shirts. Including my Morrissey one that says, be kind to animals or I'll kill you. That I got from the Morrissey online shop. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. And another one that I'm planning on purchasing, which says, all yoga I do is hot yoga. I'm actually buying that, I'm on the lookout for it. And uh, sadly, I don't have it anymore, but we discussed it in the Hilo Live show. If I still had it, and I wish I did, I'd file it right next to the t-shirt that I wore, as a 14 year old that said model turned actress
0: <laughs> i wonder how we can hunt that down i know instantly the t-shirt dolly's talking about was made by toby pimlico and i had one actually I had a fake one because they were quite expensive i had one i was fake got mine from camden market yeah me too um mine said i must not chase the boys so weird over and over again so creepy or i must not kiss the boys Let's go with I must not kiss the boys. Chase makes it sound like I was desperate and I certainly wasn't that age
1: 13. (laughs) I think I told you my favourite one that I ever saw was my brother. Uh, My teenage brother went to Camden Market one weekend and bought one and came back wearing it and my incredibly conservative father (laughs) was absolutely appalled. He'd been walking around in a t-shirt that said, nobody knows I'm a lesbian.
0: (laughs) I want to end the show on my two favourites which is uh, DJ CJ's strut in stagger out i thought it was strut in swagger out no he staggers out it's more laddie than sassy yeah so it's drunk rather than sexy yeah and disgusting but will always be my favorite thing to spot on the streets fbi on the front female body inspector on the back horrible Thank you very much for listening to The Hilo. Visit thehiloshop.com and see our wares. You can email us thehiloshow at gmail.com
1: and you can tweet us at The Hilo Show. We'll blather at you next week for our Christmas special. Bye.